My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. We attempt to look at Kyle Larson's championship winning season in the lens of history and say which championship four drivers you feel most disappointed after Phoenix. We talk about Daniel Hembrick's first win in the biggest moment and the next gen car as well as the end of other eras. This is five to go. They arrested me and they put me in jail and called my pappy to throw my bail. And he said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving. Hot Rod Lincoln. Yes, fresh off championship weekend. We coast into the off season, but we're not coasting. Actually, it's pedal on the floor. Welcome to Five to Go, our racing podcast. Here we dive deep on five or sometimes more topics here in the racing world, especially NASCAR. Episode 156 here on WSBRadio.com and GoPRN.com, not to mention all your podcasting places. Doug Fireball Turnbull from the traffic team at 95.5 WSB. We have had our hands full with... Not only traffic and just the time change and all all the weird stuff that goes on at the peak of fall driving when the roads are some of the most packed you'll find them all year, but we've been dealing with a little Braves traffic too, a little championship parade traffic too, and so we're coming off a a good kind of hangover after a momentous time here in our home city of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm joined on the line by a guy that helped me wade through some of that coverage in the middle of the day this past Friday on the Braves side, and now we got more championships to talk about. The host of the Daily Von Hessler Doctrine from 9 to noon on 95.5 WSB and all the podcasting places. Eric Von Hessler, did you get all the champagne dried up out of your clothes? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I use the goggles because I'm sensitive with the eyes, but uh, I got uh, I got myself all washed up and I've sent everything else to the cleaners. So but we had fun. And did you ever make amends with the lady that was standing in your way out there and in the middle oh, of the Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, 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 the worst human being I've ever come across in my life, right in the middle of a live show. And luckily, I had my senses about me. We were live on the radio and I said, this is the this is the biggest B lady I've ever been around. I didn't actually swear on the air, but I came very close. Oh, you you made a good save there, so I, I appreciate that. And that, of course, that was just ahead of the uh, championship weekend at Phoenix. We'll get to that in a moment. We got to flex and talk about our Braves. Dan Elliott he joins us from the mountains of Dawsonville over there. He's working on a transmission as we speak. How do you feel, Dan, not only about the NASCAR season reaching its denouement, but also the Atlanta Braves? become a world champions. I know, I mean, I don't know how close you follow baseball, but you got to have a little pep in your step, right? Absolutely. It was, it was phenomenal to me that the Braves did win. I was looking forward to that. And, and I, I told several people that they were overdue and, and they could pull it off. And I was really glad that they could do that and, and truly happy for them. At 19 years old, Devin Kupka, who joined us last week and has been on sporadically in the four-year history of the Five to Go Racing Podcast, Devin joins us. Devin, you're 19. That means that you were not alive even when the Braves last made the World Series, much less won one. Uh, You and I have never really taught ball before. Before we get into NASCAR, did you have any good feeling about the Braves at all, or are you completely agnostic to Major League Baseball? Um, I'm more agnostic to Major League Baseball nowadays than I than I used to be, but definitely this was a long time coming for the Braves, and I'm happy that they uh, won another World Series. So I, I and also there's a lot of talk about that Atlanta sports curse. You know what? Over the past four years, uh, Atlanta United won a MLS Cup. Chase Elliott yep. won the NASCAR Cup Series championship last year, and then the Braves won. The World Series this year, so it's. I think it's pretty safe to say nowadays that the Atlanta sports curse might be starting to go away. 
And in all, and, and not in the United's case, but in the Chase Elliott case, in the case of when the Falcons made the um, made the Super Bowl, I believe in seventeen, right? And and all, in the case of the Hawks going deep into the playoffs last year, and now the Braves taking it all the way. Uh, did I say Chase Elliott? Even Chase Elliott didn't seem like a championship contender. He just seemed like a guy that was going to pop off a couple of wins last year. And all of those cases, Eric. These were teams that looked, I don't want to say dead in every case. These are varying cases of it, but none of them looked like they were going on a championship run. And I think about the Hawks, which you were all especially involved with and rooting for, and the Braves and the Hawks had a lot of similarities there. I I think that's neat. Yeah, there were. Yeah, between those two. I wouldn't bring up the Falcons. Uh, That one hurts. They were a very good team that – they just they went south at the wrong time the second half of the Super Bowl. That one when we talk about the curse of Atlanta, I think the poster, the poster's team for that curse really is the Atlanta Falcons, who were leading twenty-eight to three in the Super Bowl in the middle of the third quarter oh, and somehow lost it. So when we say the curse is gone, that's really what I think uh and the Hawks went deeper than anybody expected, but then for Atlanta to go deeper than expected and then win the whole thing. That's what we're hoping has really kind of washed away that 28-3 Super Bowl thing. And uh, Atlanta is now a championship city, uh, at least until we get let down again. But for now, we believe. Bulldogs are number one in the college football standings there, and I think it all is going to rest on that SEC championship. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Chase Elliott managed in the middle of his championship run to attend all three, I'm told, of Atlanta's World Series home baseball games and he made it after the martinsville race down to game number five which the braves lost and they had to win it on tuesday last tuesday night back in houston so uh it, it pays to be a pilot dan elliott <laughs> yeah it does don't it or you got to be paid to be a pilot one or the other <laughs> in his case maybe a little of both okay so let's jump into both. the race and stuff here because Look, if Chase Elliott were to have won the championship this past Sunday, if Denny Hamlin, who had a a really strange season, we'll talk about that in more specificity, if Denny Hamlin were to win, you'd go, okay, I mean, this is a guy that didn't look like he was going to do it. Martin Truex even, he seemed like he peaked earlier in the season and kind of, and I don't want to say coasted through, but he made it by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin into Phoenix. But no, it was Kyle Larson, the guy that scores his 10th win of the year, the first driver to go double digits in the W column since 2007, Jimmy Johnson, when he, had, he won one of five championships in a row. Uh, Kyle Larson gets his 10th win of the year. He doesn't do it by just leading the last lap on a restart like Daniel Hemrick that we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't do it by finishing fourth or something or third and being the highest of the championship drivers. He does it kind of uh, Eric Von Hessler in a way similar to how he's done it through the year, except he didn't dominate the whole race. So what is the taste in your mouth, metaphorically anyway, of uh, not (laughs) – I won't go into any further than that, but what is the taste in your mouth? How do you leave leave standing after Kyle Larson won the championship the way he did to toast 2021? Well, I think it just proves that it is a team sport. I mean, he was put in that position. He held that position, but he was put in that position by his team having uh, just an unbelievable pit stop at the most important time, the last one they had of the year, because I don't think he was going to fight his way back up there. He seemed a little bit uh, mired uh, before that pit stop, and I believe they gained him three spots yes. and, and put him out first. And it wasn't like the other pit stops were terrible that he was going against. I mean, they really knocked it out in that pit stop, and we know what kind of driver he is. And uh, I think his 
if throughout most of the day, his problem was the long run. So when he came back out, I think it was like within 25, 30 laps, something like that. And so he had, he knew he had the ability to hold it if he, if he, if he was strong enough. So I, that's the thing that I walk away with is we talk about how it's a team sport an awful lot, but it was really evidenced right there. They put him in the position to win and then he held it to win. And obviously he won most of the races throughout the year. So it all feels right. You don't feel like somebody just jumped up there and grabbed one because let's face it in this, in this new system, which is fun going into a last race with four drivers, but it, it there is a possibility in in this system that somebody will just kind of jump up win their first race or, or win their first race in a long time and, 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 and get it. And maybe you don't feel so great about it. Um, yeah. I felt like it, 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 it was, it was about as good as it can get in terms of proving that it's a team sport. The entire team did it. They put him there. He had to hold it. He held it. He was challenged for a while and then walked it out. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it feels right. He won the most races. There's no doubt that he uh, was uh, the best performer this year at that level. I don't know that it would have felt wrong to me if he – it wouldn't have felt right, but I don't know that it would have felt wrong to me if any of the three drivers besides Kyle Larson, Dan Elliott, had won the championship. I think that all of them were deserving in their own right, maybe. <laughs> but certainly Larson going out on top – gets to put to bed, at least for an off-season, Dan, the talk about, oh, the playoff format, lucky guy, lucky guy, lucky restart. Dan, you you and I together, when you were president of Gresham Motorsports Park, and I was one of the announcers, we saw Kyle Larson win his first-ever stock car race in 2012 in the K&N Series East, and we had heard a little chatter about this guy might be the next big thing. I didn't hear most of that chatter until later in that season. And then, sure enough, Dan, we're talking about a champion. Gresham has produced another one. Yep, sure has. And, you know, um, I'm, I kind of agree with, with what Eric started on as far as you would you would think that I can remember in in our run of races winning, I think we won 10 races a season, and I think we had 11 poles and didn't win the championship. We came up short. And I, I can look at this and see – that when when you're able to put together a a resume like this and especially toward the end of the season the run that they had the momentum that they had this is a championship run bar none and and was very deserving of that championship because um he didn't just run and 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 get a position he run and won and he earned all of that, and yes, it is a team effort, and and all the team is to be congratulated. But um, all of those all of those units have to be in place. I've always said it's kind of a four part deal: the engine, the car, the driver, and the crew. And and all of those have to be running on hitting on all eight cylinders at the yeah. end of the day to come up with a win and and to come up with a championship. They've got to hit on more than that because. You're talking about pretty much this wasn't sort of kind of season long progression, but we saw it from before mid season. So yeah, uh, yeah, this was this was fitting for for Kyle to be the champion. It certainly was. So look, Kyle Larson's pit crew gains in three spots on pit road on the last stop, uh, but then it was kind of a, and I don't want to say luck of the draw because I mean they chose to pit at this time. A Martin Truex Jr. in the 19 team. 
seemed to have had the race won, Devin Kupka, when the caution came out, I think for the Quinn Half crash. They had just pitted and managed to stay on the lead lap, and all the other drivers had to pit. And so it cycles around, and he's in the lead. And Denny Hamlin was going to win that. And then and then on the next pit cycle, Denny Hamlin wins is going to be winning the race off pit road, essentially. Or he won the race off pit road of the pit stops, but Truex cycled into the lead. So it, it, it's there were different times that these pit crews performed, Devin. But in that last sequence, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin's crew had, I believe, 13-plus second stops, whereas Kyle Larson's had a tw- sub-12 second. And, Devin, are you – I mean, that that was part of the difference in the whole season there. What, what are some of your thoughts? Well, I, yes, I definitely think those these those pit stops at the end of the race were definitely, I think, a momentum change because going into those final – final 50 laps of the race there was I was thinking you know what I think Martin Truex Jr. is gonna probably run away with this title and then he hits pit road and then that caution comes out and he catches a lucky break and at the time Joe Gibbs had all the momentum and then those those pit stops happen and then Kyle Larson beat beat Denny Hamlin off pit road and then pretty much from there on out he he was able to hold them off so I I think there was definitely a big momentum change with those pit stops, and I, I think it, it got to the drivers. No, for sure. It, it doesn't feel good, and, and it was hard. If you had the lead, you had the advantage there on the restart on everything, and, and j- if that had been a 60-lap run to the end, you know, Truex is probably your champion, more than likely. But Larson, you really heard him, and I listened to his radio a lot during the race. I kept flipping before the between the four drivers and Larson, there was a lot of talk between his spot, spotter, Tyler Mon, his crew chief, Cliff Daniels, who they had a lot of interplay on Channel 2, and then with the driver themselves of, here's what they're doing, here's what lane they're running, they've gained a tenth of a second here, and when it came down to the end of the race, Truex looked like he was slowly catching the five car, but then he evened yeah. out because Larson shimmied up the track just a little bit to grab a little more of that resin. Eric... Take the championship drama out of it. Larson won, and it, and it was close amongst those four drivers for a lot of the day. And are you okay with the race being run on Phoenix? Do you think that that was a decent or maybe even, do I venture to say, exciting race? Or does it need to be someplace no. else more spicy like Martinsville or what? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that I thought it was uh, – it's a pretty good race. Phoenix is usually uh, a decent race. Uh, it, I mean, you ended up where – through much of the later portion of the race, the top four drivers in the race were the four drivers. So there's a lot yeah. of the race where they were all up there. I think it would have been, it's not interest, interesting to me if, you know, two of the drivers are in 15th to 17th or something. And the other ones, it seemed like it provided, uh, it was a stage where these four drivers were around each other a lot during the race and we're able to race one another. So um, you could always argue that you'll get a better race somewhere else. Um, I'll tell you this. I think there are worse tracks you could do it at. I mean, there, well, might, yeah. be a better, there might be a better track you could do it at. But, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's been tracking a little differently. But I always assume that that track's going to give you a pretty decent race. And that's, uh, that's all you can really count on when you're going into these things. I don't know. I do like the excitement of any four of these guys, but if Truex, if it would have been 60 laps and Truex would have won, I would have been happy for him. I like Martin Truex Jr., but I don't know. I mean, did he have the kind of season that 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 Kyle had? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know if I if if overall 
one race for it all. I know it's exciting and it's good TV, and that's the reason it's going to stay. So I know that. Um, but I, I don't know if it shouldn't be, you know, two or three races. How do you do through to, if you really want to get to who the most rightful champion is? We all agree here the person who did get it had that kind of season. So it, it doesn't matter. But um, I, I just don't know if I would have thought that Martin Truex Jr. had a championship year, although you're right, if it would have been 60 laps at the end, his car probably would have come alive and he probably would have done it. So that's what I worry about in the future. We skipped it here. It's, 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 uh, it, it's almost like that thing with restrictor plate races, you know? Sometimes yeah. people can win those things and you know they're not the best car. Do you really want to be in a situation where um, you've got, let's say, because remember Kyle Larson, there's at least two other races he should have won. There's one where he blew a tire in you know, the third or fourth corner and another one where he Atlanta. Uh, was clearly the best car and just kept uh, speeding on pit row or whatever. So there's a Phoenix. couple races there more. <laughs> I mean, would you feel good if some dude had won 12 races and then just sort of loses it because in one race, somebody else has a better long distance car? Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I know it's not going to change because it's certainly the best thing for TV. If you want drama, that's the best drama you're going to get. But, but uh, I, I think this year we all agree the guy that had a championship season won the championship, so it doesn't matter. But I can see where in the future this format could produce a champion that people don't necessarily think of as the person who had the championship well, season. But And it has several times. Jimmy Johnson, 2016. Right. Kyle Busch in 2019. Joey Logano in 2018. Uh, even Kyle Busch in 2015, he had he had gone on a tear that summer and he had missed the races to the broken leg. But at, at the end of the year, he there were other drivers, including Truex and Logano, by the way, that seemed like they should have been right. maybe a rung ahead of him. Certainly Logano in 2015. So, Can I mention yeah. something before before we get off this? I do want to say about, and I don't want to get into the whole thing that happened with Kyle Larson, but I mentioned this very early in the season, something that I noticed out of him. First of all, you got to be in great equipment. We all understand that, but. Unlike everybody else in the field, he had the experience of being taken out of the sport. He had the experience of having to watch others and knowing how talented he was. I think when, now he went out and just did all those uh, dirt races and everything to keep himself busy and prove that he was still a winner. But I think he came back with maybe just a, an appreciation that you, not that other people don't have it, they all appreciate it but a kind of view of the whole thing that no one else in the field had, which is I almost lost this. I'm one of the best drivers in America and I almost lost my ability to do this. And I do think that he came in with a little something extra uh, with him, with that, that no, that's not a point of view that any of his competitors could have had. I think to him also a championship is, is cake on top of the fact that they were just so dominant and everything all year. I think that the championship, I, I think, wasn't even a huge thought in his mind until maybe the day of the race, just based on some of the things he said. It was really more about just execute and win as many races as possible. Uh, Dan, and I want to ask Dan you this, and then uh, to you, Eric, just because it's a historical thing, and I think Devin, even me, and certainly you, might have trouble framing this up. But, uh, Dan, Kyle Larson won the Chili Bowl Nationals this year. He won Knoxville Nationals. 
He won the King's Royal race up at Eldora. He even won the what's called the Prairie Dirt Classic, a dirt late model race that he doesn't even normally race dirt late models, and he went out and beat some of the best at that. And he routinely, he doesn't run for championships in, in those sprint car divisions or those dirt divisions, those quarter midget divisions or those midget divisions or whatever. He he just goes and picks cherry picks races. So when you add those in, and then Dan Elliott, he's got that he won the All-Star Race, the Coke 600, 10 races overall, now a NASCAR championship. I mean, Dan, this has got to be one of the best seasons we've seen from an American driver in motorsports, no? It it has to be. And and you go back to Gresham, and, and you saw glimpses of this even then. And I heard people talking, even at that time, um, talking about how good he was, and that was yet to come. But you could, the the people that knew could see this coming, and um, and and they know it's it's kind of like watching Clint Eastwood in Trouble with the Curve, and 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 analyzing this stuff and breaking it down and and seeing this, it, it it's it's just amazing to me, um, how quickly these drivers can adapt and that's what I'm looking forward to into the gen seven car yeah. and, and seeing how quickly these drivers can adapt to them. And I think they will. And, and I'm really looking forward to more practice coming up for those cars and the bull ring at LA, because to me, that is, that is going to be a bull ring and, and it ought to be an exciting race. I, you know, it, it, the format of that thing and the way it is, I'm I'm going to be amazed if they come out with any. You know, I'm 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 thinking about this, thinking, no, are they going to come out with any sheet metal left on the cars, or <laughs> are we going to be swapping yeah. numbers and paint and all of this stuff? But you know, that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see the boring type racing at times. They don't want to see it all the time, but but you want to see this sometimes, and it, and it does make it exciting. But I'm kind of curious to see. I don't know that I'd want to take my very best car out there, but you definitely want a good car. But, you know, how, how else are you going to get a feel for what the season's going to be like without taking your best? That's a great point there. Eric, you, you follow racing since you were a kid like Dan has. Uh, just considering all the accomplishments that Larson hasn't just done in his career, but Eric, I mean, in the same year. Yeah. Chili Bowl, yeah. Knoxville, the other dirt races I mentioned, and then all of the NASCAR accolades. And he didn't even bother having to go run an Xfinity or a Truck Series race and skim off any of those. So what do you think, Eric? It has to it has to be one of the best overall uh, seasons for an American racer. Certainly, I don't have all the stats in front of me. Uh, you know, that when you mention all that, it reminds me, he very much reminds me of kind of a new Tony Stewart who used to, and obviously Tony yeah. Stewart, even though he was running all these races, he didn't put together this kind of season and we know how no. good Tony Stewart was. So if you compare it to that, then I would say that there's no doubt that it has to be one of, if you put all of those races together, um, it has to be one of the best uh, racing seasons for an American driver, certainly, yeah, no doubt about that. And now we'll see about consistency. You know, can he? Right. Can he? Uh, you know, can he keep doing it? Is this something we're going to be able to see? You know, Tony Stewart went on to win win two more championships and continue uh, to to dominate in many different forms of uh, motorsports. But then again, it's also dangerous. You know, if I if I own these teams, I don't know if I want my uh, you know one of my best drivers. Uh, out there, you know, risking injury 
so often. That's another side of this. Well, if you race that much in so many different series, there's a chance that you can hurt your 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 cha- your chance to win another championship in some season because you've injured yourself somewhere else. So it's kind of a fine line. Like as 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 this guy gets older, uh, is he going to continue to do this much racing? All the time. I think at some point Tony Stewart started to slow down a little bit. But if I'm if I'm paying him the big bucks <laughs> and I'm the car owner, yeah. I don't. You know, I think of Jeff Gordon, who very early on in in his career just basically became a Sunday driver. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to watch. But if he can, you know, now we can say yes, he had one of the best seasons as an American racer. Now. To find out how great he really is, we just have to wait and see how consistent mm-hmm. is he, how many of these kind of seasons can he put back to back. Right. And, and look, I, I, his goal is not to be the best NASCAR driver, to be Jimmy Johnson or Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt. He has said he wants to be the best overall motorsports driver or best uh, 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 motorsports driver. That was really, the best <laughs> overall American driver. Right. Yeah, that's what he wants point. to go down as. And and I think that could, as he gets later in his career, if he's done, if if he's banked together a nice NASCAR career and it's it's not jumping off the page at him, right. th- who's to say he wouldn't go and try to run a season somewhere else or you know in Formula One or IndyCar or IMSA or anything else? I think he You're really right. the world but is in his palm right now. But here's the thing, the money right now, I mean, here yes, that could happen. But what I'm saying is, if you go like to next season or the season after, and his cup, he's in, he's in, in grasp of getting another cup championship, and he gets injured running a dirt track somewhere in Iowa, and right. that keeps him from doing that, that may recalibrate in his brain what he needs to be doing in the future. He, he's never, you know, he's never dealt with that, so he doesn't have to, he doesn't have that in his mind. And as somebody, you say that I've watched motorsports all my life, that's something to think about. It's 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 hard to contemplate that he can continue to do this much racing and not somewhere, you know, you right. know, hopefully he wouldn't be. But we all know there's a potential that you could get a leg broken or something like that or mess up your back in such a way that you suddenly um, would uh, would have to kind of curtail that stuff. I think that he would I think that he should do those things when he can. But the best way for him to be remembered as one of the best ever is to win four or five or six uh, cup championships. I mean, if you ask me, that's yeah, that's the way. And to Jimmy be Johnson, people do not hesitate to say he's one of the best drivers area right. ever, and he didn't do a whole lot in a whole lot of other divisions. It was because he he kept sitting there banking those wins. Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, like Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, like right. It's I mean that's just. You bank the we win think of the you. great drivers. We think of the great drivers. Obviously, Petty and Earnhardt with the seven and Jimmy Johnson, they stand up there. But mostly we think of the great drivers as how many did you win? Those drivers yeah. that get first, they get above 30 and you take notice. Then they're the drivers who are over 50, like Rusty Wallace. And, and then there's the drivers that get it. Then the ones that get into the 80s. It, it, I don't care if you don't if you win just one championship, if you win 80 yep. races, you're going to be considered one of the best of all time. All right, it took Kyle Larson, though, to become a consistent winner. It really was like 2017 or so around there was a breakout kind of year, Devin Kupka. And, you know, you're you're a new newer kind of NASCAR fan, but you've been following the sport since Larson came on the scene. And you've heard all the talk, Devin. Did you buy into the greatness of Kyle Larson early, or what did it take for him to really start 
making you see, uh, if you indeed do even see, that he's great. So, well, the first true season I fully watched in NASCAR was 2017 when he ripped off about, I think it was four wins that season. Yeah. I, yeah. At first, I was starting to buy into it, like especially that first half of the season, because he was he was just winning races at the time, just kind of seemed like left and right at that point. And then later in the season, he kind of he kind of fell down. And then and then the next couple of seasons, he kind of regressed. And then obviously the thing would happen with him last year happened. And then he came to Hendrick this year and then he just absolutely dominated. Now, yeah. now, do I buy into the greatness now? I'm not sure yet because I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wait and see to see if he keeps up with this consistency. Because next, next, looking at next year and going forward, there's a lot of new things happening in the sport. There's a lot of new teams coming into the Cup Series next year. There's a new car, and there's also the return of practice and qualifying next year. So good point. It, it, it we're gonna have to see. He's probably still gonna be pretty consistent, but I don't know if I see him winning like ten races next year. I think the I think it's gonna be a lot more competitive next year. I don't think we measure greatness on if he wins ten races or not, but does he keep up that that level of output where he's constantly in the conversation and not just to be a one off year? And I think there's a lot of trimmings. Let's put it this way, guys. Jimmy Johnson was driving that car last year with the same crew chief. Right. Yeah. And I know you're talking about a guy that's on the decline in his career versus one who's in his peak years. But it, he's taking the same deal that where Chase Elliott had just become the number one driver at Hendrick Motorsports. And Kyle said, oh, hey, I got you, bro. <laughs> he stepped right in and put it on his back. And it was the right gel with Cliff Daniels, the right gel with the pit crew and anything else that happened behind the scenes. And let's remember very quickly, let's remember that when he came into the sport, he's in Ganassi equipment, which I would say at the time was Correct. slightly above middle of the pack equipment. Correct. We don't, know, we don't know what Kyle Larson would have done if he would have come into the sport in Hendrick or JGR equipment. That's correct. That's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. I, I want to just quickly muse on the other drivers here that were in that championship four. And, and by the way, this is a race that had a lot of arrows come to an end, and, and we're going to mention that next. But first, um, Mar Martin Truex Jr., I mean, uh, Dan Elliott, how do you feel? A deserving championship for do you, Martin Truex Jr., I guess, when you look at the score sheet, he finishes second in points. He was second in the race. Do, do you feel like Ch Chase Elliott on, at the end of the year looks too low because he's only fourth in points? And how do you size up Denny Hamlin being so consistent but not getting it done once again, Dan? There you go, because I was thinking about my picks and, and, and how I picked, and, and you and I both know that, that some of that was emotional because of, of, of wanted, you know, wanted Chase to win. And you, you've got to look at the season though, and put it in order. And I really would have thought, and, and this is only, you're deciding a championship out of one race. So sort of kind of, okay. You can reflect back on the season, but you're putting together a championship basically out of those four cars in one event. Right. right. So if that event had been anywhere else, and this is why I, I didn't get into that conversation, but I wanted to say that, yes, I'd love to see this race go somewhere else because let's, let's go different places to where that we don't kind of have favorites that do really, really well at these tracks consistently. Let, let's go different places to give other people an opportunity to show their talents, to show their wares, because this might be an occasion where, no, it's like Eric said, you may get into a situation next year to where the championship may go to somebody that's not as deserving. 
okay? And, and we say that with all due respect, but the fact is, is that, okay, if, if anybody else but Larson had won the championship, yeah, Chase had glimpses of running good, so did the others. But let's face it, it, it kind of worked out to where the champion was in place and then the other three where you could throw a blanket pretty much over the other three. Oh, and right. it had to sift out. It had to sift out through this event as to how it would unfold. And as as Eric said earlier, the pit crew is really the saviors of the day, so to speak, on a lot of this because they made you or broke you come Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and by the way, their whole dynamics changing next year with the whole one lug not one lug not pit stop oh, and yeah. how the art of the pit stop is going to change. So that's the end of the five uh, five lug era in the Cup Series. So, Eric, I love what Dan said there about throwing a blanket over the other drivers and how close they were. But Denny Hamlin was the only one of those four not to lead laps on Sunday. Uh, granted. Yeah. It could be just your cars coming at the right time. I kept thinking, okay, they've got something up their sleeve, especially in that last run where it seemed like he was catching the 19 of Truex up front. I felt like, okay, they've got a car set up for the night. It's coming in. We're going to see Hamlin finally put his sports curse behind him. Do you? Th- is there any argument, Eric, that Denny Hamlin is not the most disappointed, no matter what he says, out of those be. four drivers because he's been in this Has race five times now? Has to be. And you have to be looking at with Denny Hamlin. um, Is he the Mark Martin of this era, which is the best driver to not win? And will he become the best driver of his era not to win a championship? And I think it's becoming a possibility. And now that he is, you know, he's 41 or something like that now, which is hard to believe because he seemed like a baby when he started. Um, So he's 41. He's now a, a car owner. Um, let's say, what if he just doesn't take to this next gen car? What, what, what if he just has a little trouble for a season or two and just can't really get it going? Does he, does he just start thinking, you know what? I'm getting older. I'm a, I'm a car owner now. Maybe he starts getting more interested in that area. It's a, it's a real, the next couple of seasons are going to be, um, uh, you know, very important for, for Hamlin, does he have to win a championship? Yeah. Appreciated? I think he's certainly one of the best drivers of his era in the cup in the cup uh, level. But um, it just reminds me of Mark Martin. And certainly nobody disses Mark Martin. Nobody. No. Nobody. Nobody doesn't act like he wasn't a great driver. But there's always somebody who just didn't uh, get the championship, you know, and you begin to wonder with not only with him being in so many of these races and not getting it done, but also again, you know, the age, he's a car owner. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of stuff he hasn't been doing before. And then how does he take to the new car? How does he take to the next gen? Um, And if that doesn't go well, does he decide to go ahead and just become a car owner? And, and then yes, becomes the Mark Martin of his era, which by the way, sounds negative, but it's not an awful thing. The best driver of your era that didn't win a championship is not ideal. Um, but it's, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I've been wondering for the last few years, if, if that's who we have in our hands it, it is uh, the Mark Martin of this age. Right. Uh, that's a great question. And, and, but you know what, if someone were to tell me at the beginning of my racing career that I was going to be the next Mark Martin, I'd take it. I'd tell you what, <laughs> yeah. I'd take it because Mark Martin's in the hall of fame and he won a lot of big races. 
it doesn't mean you're the greatest ever, but man, that's pretty darn good. And by the way, he has more career wins than Mark Martin too. It's still some gas right. in the tank. All right, Dan, I'm not meaning to skip over you, Devin, but I got to ask you, Dan, about Chase. Chase Elliott may not be the most disappointed driver leaving Phoenix about the prospects of a championship, but Dan, considering all the momentum, the five wins last year and and the clutch performances at the end of the year, and to see him actually lose a couple of spots in the final rundown of the race and not even contend really for the win, he even finished not in the top four. Ryan Blaney passed him toward the close of the race. I, I mean, you can't sum up the whole season, Dan, with, oh, well, he lost one spot and finished fifth in the final race. But I just wonder, like, he didn't have an oval win all year, Dan, and and the Coda win was was called for for rain and darkness and whatnot. So, I mean, what, what Dan, do you think about Chase's season? Do you think that there's maybe a championship hangover or just, it, I mean, just not the best in class? I, I don't think either one, Doug. I, I thought about that a lot after the race was over because – I, I can remember going back to these races, and and you you have to understand unless you've been there, it, it's it's kind of like going and watching the Braves play when they get on a high, and then and then things kind of roll over. Every time we won a race, back when I was going with Bill, we were you're on top of the mountain one weekend, you're in the lowest valley the next one, or you're somewhere in between. These these races are kind of like you have no clue as to how anything is going to fall, whether, and I've talked about this before, on fate, kismet, whatever it is, and having that with you, providence, whatever it is, you you have to carry all this with you and to to have a a win, a championship, whatever, all this has to fall your way. All the stepping stones have to line up. All the planets have to line up. And if one thing is out of order, and when when you're coming off a season like you had last year and come into this one, okay, how how disappointed are you? It's kind of like I I was reminded of when – when I went out the gate the last time from Gresham after after I left there and I was going out the gate and and Lolly, my wife, said to me, said, Are you are you sad? I said, No, I'm not. I said, We were very, very blessed in the fact that no one got bad hurt there. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You consider to, the year that you, you left twenty fourteen, right? Yeah. Or twenty thirteen. Yeah. 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 That was five. That was five years, and we know that in in history, past at there and other tracks, there have been people gotten hurt, seriously hurt. And I was very blessed. Okay, so let's put it in order here. That my prayer was always that Bill got through the races and that he was safe, and and we're here for another season. And and that's the the same thing with Chase. He's very blessed. He won races. He, even though he didn't do as well as I know he wanted to do or, or felt like he could have done, he's very, very blessed. And to go in the season, he had a good season. He walked away from everything and was able to come back and be able to run again next year. And I consider this the top of the list and my things to be thankful for. And, and this got kind of off from what it started as, but I think you have to put it in perspective of, 
are you thankful for what you did or yeah you could have done better but considering the 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 season and all the things going on i think they did very very well uh for sure there i want to uh, right. go ahead, something? But, well yeah. i mean what is chase 25 it's still uh he's still yes. young in his career he's got a uh yep. he already has a championship in in his back pocket um he's an yep. athlete i'm i'm sure he'll take this time off and he'll he'll ab the two seasons in his brain he'll he'll think of look athletes that are really good at what they do get better at what they do because they reflect on the season they had um you don't have back to back very often and even a lot of people who go on to win three or four or more you still have seasons listen it, it's like any other thing he he was a playoff contender that's what you, you go in any sport you start the season off, well, I want to get to the playoffs. He got to the playoffs. He got to the final race. He didn't get ideally what he wanted, but he's young. He already has one of these things. But I would expect that he'll spend some time in the offseason um, doing a personal critique. Uh, I'm sure there are some things that he thinks um, he could have done better in different situations. And you put that together and you you roll out next year and, and you do it again. But, you know, Chase Elliott could win five championships uh, in his career, yep. but that doesn't mean he's going to win every championship. You know, yeah. you're still going to have years where you don't. So I think, um, you know, he won a championship. He made it to the final four the next year. That's pretty damn good. Now let's put together yeah. um, in personal reflection how to have a better year and, and you head into the next year. I think he had a good year. Uh, absolutely. Hey, uh, so Chase Elliott did have a really solid year for sure. And I think Martin Truex Jr. team, I mean, they they deserved probably to be in that race. It was kind of a toss-up to me between them and Kyle Busch. I thought Ryan Blaney might sneak into that championship four, but he had a couple of bad races there in that third round of the playoffs. But the best of the rest was good old dependable Kevin Harvick. <laughs> who finished fifth in the points. And now, now listen, Kevin Harvick, by all measures, had a disappointing year. He led the least laps he's led in the season, 217 since 2009. He had his first winless season since 2009. Again, that was after nine wins last year. However, Harvick still had 24 top 10 finishes, and he had a better average finish in 2021 then his championship season of 2014, 10.9 to 12.9. There's still something freaky good, guys, about Kevin Harvick and his 58 career wins. And uh, you, I would like to hope that there's a little bit of a rebound there so he doesn't fall into the same parallax that so many drivers in their mid and late 40s do late in their careers. For Harvick, Brad, so uh, let's talk about eras coming to an end. That was Harvick's w- season winning streak, 2009 through 2020. He put it to bed, or 2010 through 2020, an 11-year streak of winning seasons in a row. And he had almost three years in a row of not winning a race leading up to the 2010 season. Uh, Brad Keselowski's last race in the two-car. He finishes 10th for Team Penske there at six in the standings. Better than his teammates, by the way. Joey Logano had just a rough, rough year. I'd be interested to see what Penske does to shake things up there to try to get some more spark out of that 22 team. So end of an era, Brad Keselowski in the two car. Uh, Dan Elliott, that's one I don't think I saw coming there is him having a Hall of Fame caliber career when he made the move from Hendrick over to Penske. Did you? No, I did not. I didn't see that one coming. And, I, you know, there's there's several drivers that fall into that same category of of having extremely good runs and, and surprising me or – they either have kind of ups and downs throughout the season, but um, no, that was a big surprise to me. 
Uh, and, of course, Pinsky is going to be going the path of Austin Sindrick next year. Brad Kozlowski joins Rouse Fenway Racing, supplanting Ryan Newman, who has is is made very clear he is not retiring Ryan Newman from this, but he is not going to be a full-time driver in the Cup Series next year. I mean, barring some some big change there. Uh, Brad Keselowski's Penske career, 34 career wins, the 2012 Cup title. He also brought Penske his first Xfinity Series championship and his first full year of the organization in 2010. Ryan Newman, though, has really, uh, Eric Von Hessler, kind of not had the pep in his step since that the, tra- the near tragedy at Daytona and everything. I mean, I don't see a team going with him, and I don't see him driving for subpar equipment. But, Eric, do you think if you were a guy that had a driver hurt or missing races for COVID or something like that, that you would Newman be the top of your list now to call maybe to step in, or do you go with the young guy? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends. Do I have somebody uh, in the bullpen that I want to get ready anyway? Maybe I give it to him. But if if I don't have that, yeah, you call in somebody that knows what a race is all about, that you know is not going to embarrass you out there. And, yeah, I could, I could. I can see doing that. You know, with Brad, I want to go back to Brad Kozlowski. Give him kudos. He's not walking into an easy situation. That no. equipment has not been good for a long time. So I appreciate that he's taking on a challenge. And also to go to to tick off the boxes there, um, Kevin Harvick, interesting year for Kevin Harvick. I feel like um, he, he has some assessing to do. I, I You know, that whole thing that went down between him and Chase, I thought that there was some – I thought that there was, you know, it's weird. This has nothing to do with racing, but I'm 57 years old now. And and I kind of felt like there was a little kind of weird jealousy there. Um, Kevin Mm. Harvick at one time was the young hotshot. You know what I mean? I I, I sensed a little bit of um, uh, bitterness out of uh, Kevin Harvick. Uh, Certainly in that back and forth with Chase, quite often Chase looked a little bit wiser and more mature than Kevin did. And we remember Kevin from his younger days. We saw a little bit of a flash uh, of that. Kevin Harvick's a Hall of Famer. Everybody knows it. Um, but I think uh, if if he's going to have great seasons again, he's going to have to fall back in love with it to a certain degree and just maybe, yeah. and maybe get a little bit out of his own headspace. I think he allowed Chase to get into his head in a way that is not normal for his career. So he probably needs to kind of recalibrate a little bit. Hey, Devin, what do you think about I, – I agree with that for sure. It seemed like there was just something off there, but there was something off with all of Stuart Haas racing. But for Harvick not to will that car to win after making it perform above level and so many other stack categories, it seemed like it would have happened there. And and Bristol, by the way, that Chase took from him by, by holding him up after their contact, that, that certainly was the closest he got to winning this year. Devin, some thoughts on – Harvick going winless, Ryan Newman's full-time driving career coming to an end, and Brad Keselowski's Penske era ending. So with Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick, it was just a rough year overall for Stuart Haas Racing. And I think I think with the absence of practice and qualifying, it really, really hurt them. And if actually, if you look at the races that they had practice and qualifying for most of the races, I believe it was the Coke 600 weekend was the only weekend that they didn't Stuart Haas Racing didn't perform well with practice and qualifying, but they definitely, definitely hurt from it. Because if you look at it this weekend, they had practice and qualifying and all the Stuart Haas Racing drivers finished within the top 15, except for Chase Briscoe, who got involved in a wreck in the race. Um, But yeah, I think I think overall it's practice and qualifying hurt. But the thing with Kevin Harvick is that he still I mean, he went winless. But he ran really, really consistently yes. in the races this season, especially with that average finish that he had, with which was 10.9, which 
which is which is really good for without winning a race this season. And he got 24 top tens. That's that's really good, and especially without practice and qualifying. And I think with everything returning next year, and as long as he adjusts with the new car next year, I think I think he'll probably pull off a couple wins next year. And hey, the thing that's, not, that's a bold prediction, yeah. I would say, but yes. Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's you really hit on something right there. That's going to affect that's going to be something to look at at all of these older drivers by older, you know, 38 and up or people who have been around for 10 years or more. Um, how are they going to adjust? Some are going to adjust well to the new car. Or maybe I'm wrong and the new car will just be easy to adjust to. But I, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, storyline next year. Who's picking it up? Who's not? Are the younger guys picking it up easier than the older guys? Is it the other way around? That's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And, the, and what, go ahead. And to go, and to go on the the and the and the adjustment thing is going to be interesting to see with the the older veteran drivers. And the thing, also, I know Doug, you asked about Ryan Newman. Um, I just I think for Ryan Newman not getting a ride next year, I think just things kind of squeezed up this season where there just wasn't really anything available and. He really isn't a hot commodity on the free agent market no. nowadays like he used to be. So I don't know if he'll land a ride next year. I, I highly doubt he will, but maybe he'll land a part-time ride. So we'll see what happens there. It, I think if you have a Matt Kenseth situation, Kyle, like when Larson got taken out of the 42 car uh, for the racial slur and all that, all that controversy, I could see Ryan Newman getting tapped on the shoulder, but I also see Ryan Newman licking his chops and going, man, it'll be nice not to go grind to finish 20th every week. And instead he could spend time at home and then go run modified races and dirt races and some of the stuff he likes kind of Larson esque. And maybe he could kind of get that spark back. Ryan Newman at one point in his career, I mean, he was rocket man and winning all the polls. He had the eight wins in 2003. And then he went through a stretch where he was good for about one win a year. But he's only gotten one win now in the last eight seasons. And I think that stands out a little bit, considering he's driven for Stuart Haas and Childress and Roush, that he should have been able, with that talent level, to pick it up and maybe notch one or two more. Can I be honest? Can I be yeah, honest? There. I mean, his career has been less than what about what I expected. When he started yeah. out with Penske and the way he came into the sport, um, his career has been less than I expected. I thought it was gonna. I thought he was gonna have. I probably thought he was gonna have twenty more wins than he has. I, I think he thought that too, for sure. And by the way, his average finish is plummeting from from uh, all the way to outside the top twenty now, twenty two and a half this year. And I, that's a number that maybe is. Still kind of a, a non-analytic number to look at, but to me, average finish says a lot. By the way, there was only one driver in the Cup Series this year, and I've used this stat before, and it has held true most of the year, guys. Only one driver this year had a better average finish than your champion. Who is that? Uh, uh, only one driver? Only one Debbie driver Hamlin? had a better average finish over the whole year. Not playoffs, not not points. I'm talking about just average finish at a race. Is it Kyle Tyler Bush or Denny Hamlin? Was it Tyler Reddick? No, no, definitely not Tyler Reddick. Okay. Uh, Denny Hamlin, the correct answer there, Eric. You got it. 8.4. I mean, a blister. It is hard to get single digits in the average finish category. Only two drivers did. Denny Hamlin with just an utterly impressive 8.4 and Kyle Larson at 9.1. The, that that and uh, that that says a lot about stage points. Says a lot about just what how much a, a win means, right? 
to have a better overall average finish and not even be considered in the same breath as him in terms of the type of season. By the way, last year, Kevin Harvick, who had nine career wins, nine wins in the season, I mean, had an average finish of 7.3, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. which is just <laughs> unreal. So that just kind of gives you some perspective of how good his season was last year to not make the championship four. Okay, before we sign off, guys, there were two other championship races won, and I didn't get to watch them intently. I had to brush up on them, but I did see live the last two laps in the Xfinity Series where it came down to a restart because of caution with cars in the back of the field. And it came down to Daniel Hemrick hounding the leader who had, I think, dominated the race, AJ, I mean, excuse me, Austin Sendrick. And then in the last set of turns, boys, Daniel Hemrick goes up under Sendrick, puts just enough of a fender to him, and then runs up alongside him and uses him up. And out of turn four, they come to the flag, and it is by a nose, Daniel Hemrick, to not only get his first career win, but to win the championship in the Joe Gibbs Racing number 18 as a lame duck driver because he moves to Colleg Racing's number 11 next year. Dan Elliott, I know you have some thoughts about Daniel Hemrick. What a... What an exceptional young man, and to sit here and watch him struggle as as it, as it seems like he's done, and um, trying to trying to get to the top of the ladder, and and I'm really proud for him, and and being able to put together these um, these associations, I guess, that have finally gotten him where he he really I feel like deserves to be. And and a fine young man and a a young man deserving of a championship and and I'm really proud for him. Another Gresham Motorsports Park alum, by the way, who ran a lot of yep. late model races there in his formative years. Eric von Hessler, this was Daniel Hemrick's first win of any kind since <laughs> a late model race. I think it was the All American 400. If I, I got to look it up, but I think it's All American 400 in 2014. He goes to trucks full time. I mean, he runs for the Eddie Sharp team that becomes Sharp Gallagher Racing. Uh, Will Gallagher is the money that's behind him, and then he goes to Brad Keselowski Racing again. Consistent, right? All Mr. Right. Nice Guy. Mr. Right there, all the way through, driving for Childress and Xfinity, Childress and Cup, and then back to the Xfinity yeah. Series. Really a disastrous last season, 29, uh, 2020, in the number eight car for Junior Motorsports, sharing that with several drivers. He just did not get it going. And this year, Eric, honestly, you look at the stats, he won a bunch of stages, led a bunch of laps, and just never a race until the end. How does that sit with you? Well, I mean, I don't follow Xfinity enough to really know what you know, true fans at Xfinity think about that. I'm sure it's a little bit kind of weird that, you know, he wins his first race and wins the championship uh, at the same time. I've never quite understood why it didn't seem to me that he was awful in that one year that he was at the cup level. I never understood why that went south so quickly. Was it just because Childress had other drivers in the pipeline? Or Yeah, yeah Tyler Reddick just won an Xfinity uh, championship, well, two in a row, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And, and he had money with him, too. So I think the money felt even doubt. Did he have that bad of a year? I don't recall him having that awful a year, but it's not like Childress had the greatest equipment at the time. No, but so, but I think uh, when you have Tyler Reddick there, and Tyler Reddick was well, reportedly Tyler Reddick had the number 95 car in his back pocket and was very close to going to Levine Family Racing, and Childress knew he had right. to make a move to save a prodigal type talent instead of a solid right. driver. And so, yeah, so that makes that sense. He was afraid to lose it. So that, that makes sense. So, yeah, you know what? Overall, not being an expert, and uh, I can't pretend that I've, I, I haven't seen many Xfinity races this year. I imagine it's uh, 
slightly controversial, but uh, sounds to me like he's a great kid. He probably didn't get quite the shake he deserved at the cup level, so I'm happy for him. And he's going to run next year for another team, much like Tyler Reddick did. Reddick was already a lame duck driver at Junior Motorsports, had signed to Childress's program in the Xfinity Series, and then and then won a championship with him for two different teams. If it all comes down to one race, it's hard to say, oh, will they be able to do it? But Hembrick has shown he can knock on the door, and finally that door opened for him. In the Truck Series, it was Ben Rhodes not winning the race. Right, Ben Rhodes was able to do a little bump and run on Zane Smith, who was very aggressive on a final restart in Martinsville to even race into the championship or he, he was in the back half of the standings there. It was Chandler Smith that went to victory lane for, I believe, the second week. Or for Chandler Smith goes to victory lane, not one of the championship drivers. Stuart Friesen, who wrecked himself out of a chance to race into the championship for Martinsville, finishes second. But it's Ben Rhodes doing the heave-ho on Zane Smith to finish third in the race and claim the championship. And some people might go, what the heck, Ben Rhodes? But at the very beginning of the year, before John Hunter Nemechek came on and laid on all those race wins, Ben Rhodes won the first two races of the Truck Series, the Camper World Truck Series season. So he's always been right there and had a very consistent year. John Hunter Nemechek very well could have gone up and slaughtered the field on this race, but he cut a tire very early and spent the entire race coming back from that and still rebounded to finish seventh. But at the end, it was Rhodes on a long run, by the way, not on a restart, that won the championship in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, I, I think out of the three platforms, Devin, my favorite to watch, I think, has been Xfinity. They've seemed to put on the raciest action there. But did did you have any thoughts on the two other divisions and how their seasons ended up, Devin? Um, I, I thought the Xfinity Series, from the races that I was able to watch this season from the Xfinity Series, I thought, I think, I think Xfinity might be the most competitive. It's just... I feel like I feel like they deliver a slightly better product than the Cup Series does. It's just it's just very they're they're they take a lot more risks in there and they're they're they they tend to battle a lot more than they do in the Cup Series and that's what they do in the Xfinity Series and it it passes the eye test you mean yeah, yeah. That, I mean I think yeah. they're battling in every series hard but it's certainly when you look at it. The, the Xfinity guys seem to really mix up a dice. And the truck series seems to be in kind of an identity crisis with some veterans that are, seem to be very close to the end. And then a lot of young guys that are in a clogged pipeline and are kind of stagnating or staying. I don't want to say stagnating like it's bad, but staying in the truck series. And they're sort of waiting for their opportunity, and they're running all over each other. And John Hunter Nemechek, surprisingly, is going back to trucks next year. He didn't find a way to climb the ladder uh, next year's Xfinity Series sees Ty Gibbs go full-time. Joe Gibbs Racing is contracting down to three full-time teams with uh, Ty, Ty Gibbs going to be there, Brandon Jones is going to be there, and then the all-star car that Kyle Busch and others will will campaign in that series. Uh, we saw Austin Hill, who's going to be leaving trucks to join Richard Childers Racing in the Xfinity Series. So Hattori Racing, he had a good fruitful run with with the HRE team, car number six or truck number 16 there, and just several other eras coming to the end. But guys, before we cap this podcast, I know we've only got a couple of minutes here. Eric, this is the last race of this era of teams building their own race cars. Hendrick Motorsports has 600 employees in the Cup Series. They are going to be spec cars next year in many respects. So is there any kind of sentimentality you have about that? I mean, it is a race car at the end, but it is an era of the end of the five lug nuts, the end of having an H shifter, the end of... Having teams fabricate their own cars. So is that does that leave you feeling anything, Eric? Well, yeah, I I, I try to be open minded and I want to see what this uh, next 
era of racing is going to look like. Um, but I like the idea of people building their stuff as much as possible from the ground up. I think the chassis has always been provided, right? Everything else is... Uh, uh, they build their chassis. They build their own chassis? Okay, so everything... Yep. So, uh, you know, I there's something about that, because we, we started this talking about it being a team sport. And so, yeah, I'm going to miss some. But then again, you know, I still I still don't like the digital displays, you know, inside the car. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't look like... So, you know, I'm an old guy, but I'm... I'm they, they're doing everything supposedly so that we can get a better product. So ultimately rather than nostalgia or anything else, I should just hold my horses and wait and see for a couple of seasons. Do we get the better product that they're trying to give us? We know that NASCAR has promised this sort of thing in the past and it's turned out to be not as good as what we had before. This one, they've put an awful lot of time and effort into, and they want to create parity. Parity is good. They want to have uh, the ability to, entry uh get into the sport without having to be a billionaire i suppose and maybe all the eyes are on that um so yeah i hope i want to ask a question about xfinity do you think it has helped the series that um cup drivers can't run for championships down there i don't mean the racing because you guys have obviously said the xfinity racing is 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 awesome right now has it helped attendance uh um is is it on the radar as much when you don't have um when you when you come down to the end of year and you don't have like a name like Kyle Busch or you know the old days Kevin Harvick that could possibly win a championship, I mean I I for the most part I want series to create their own champions. I'm just you guys look at this stuff deeper than I do. Has it helped or hurt uh, the profile of a series like Xfinity that um, we basically don't? If you're a casual fan, you probably haven't heard the name of their champion. Well. I, I I mean, Dan, I want you've been a promoter and a track president, so I want you to weigh in. And, and Devin, you, you know, are just a close follower of the sport. Here's what I'll say. I, I think it's better that they can run a limited number of races so you know that sometimes you're going to see Kyle Busch show up at the track. You're going to see whoever, you know, dump, uh, uh, Denny Hamlin or whoever jump down and run a race, even Chase Elliott. I think, though, when you had a situation in like in 2011 when they switched to those drivers – not being able to accrue points in those series. What you had is the cup drivers with no limits on the races they could run coming down to winning all the races. And then Ricky Stenhouse winning two championships in a row. Right. So right. I think, I think what it, I mean, and those were the days where it was Vogue. I mean, the big teams were getting, were just drawing crazy sponsorship money and you could actually afford to helicopter Kevin Harvick in between two different races and all this stuff. And it makes sense to do it. And I, I don't know to me now, it seems like it would, and without having the limit on the number of times they could race in a year, you're not crowning a fake champion. You know you're only going to get five Kyle Busch races in trucks. Mm-hmm. And so right. I don't know. I mean, the attendance to me is going to be down either way. I don't know if it draws extra fans to stay at the track an extra day or two. I don't know. Do you what remember, do you think, though? Do you remember he didn't win? I don't. Did he win the, the, the first year that Harvick came in when he filled when he came in after Earnhardt's death? Didn't he? It was either that year or the year after that he won the Bush series. Yeah, it was that year. Was, it was that year, and there was. And he did it in 2007 too. There, there was a narrative Six. there, right? It was it was very exciting. He was the guy who'd come in. He was having success at at the cup level, and at the same time, you were following him. And I'm just wondering. I'm not talking about the racing here, because I think obviously, as a pure racing fan, you want to see a series produce their own champion. I'm just wondering about eyeballs. And what, did I watch? I used to watch more of those races back then. 
because I would follow the drivers a little bit more. Um, I just wonder, but you're probably right. The 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 eyeballs are going to be down either way. I'm just I hear way it. more negative comments. Dan, I want to hear what you got to say. I hear way more negative comments about, oh man, the dang Cup guys. You know, Freddie Freeman doesn't go play for the Gwinnett Stripers. Why are the Cup right. guys going and stealing right. the truck? I hear way more of that. And again. I could be getting a false positive because I look at because I'm where do I hear comments social media but I I just I mean I think there's an excitement when Chase Briscoe could beat Kyle Busch at Darlington like he did last year there's an mm-hmm. excitement because he's like no I didn't beat Noah Gregson no offense to him I beat Kyle Busch but I think overall if Kyle Busch wins seven Xfinity races in a year it's like Ugh, come on man it's taking candy yeah. for babies the candy man yeah, doesn't get that's true. Perspective for you, Dan, as a, as a former promoter and as a longtime follower of all this. We're in such a different era of cars and drivers and owners, and it, it used to be, it, it started out to where that usually those drivers own their own Bush cars or Xfinity cars, and they came in and they ran this deal on their own with their own money, and then they may have driven for somebody our cup the next day so we're 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 off in in different environments anymore and i'm kind of like richard petty when he told me one time he said you really can't measure anything except in in decades and this doesn't mean even numbers of decades this means that just like the gen 6 car we're getting ready to have the gen 7 car okay so now can we truly measure what we did before to even back to the Gen 3 cars. We're we're trying to compare things that really don't compare anymore. It's like going into next year, is uh, is NASCAR going to have a penalty for a lug nut loose next year? Because we only got one lug nut next year. Yeah, okay. it'll be a big penalty if it is, right? Hey, that's a great okay, point there, so, Dan, about perspective of okay, generations, so, too. So how about pit stops next year? Has anybody thought we've we've thought about the cars and the drivers and them adapting? What about pit crews? Because to me, yeah. I looked at Sunday and what's going to change for next year. And I run around the car and I change my one lug nut and I'm done. And the fuel man is probably still fueling because is this going to make fueling the slow part of the pit stop now? Yeah, and I mean, the teams are you, how, the teams are already yeah, practicing how, on that. I mean, they're already getting ready for the the one lug nut situation. What's interesting is for the crews that service both or all three series, you still have five lug nuts in the yep. truck in Xfinity series, right? So, the, and the pit crews are not losing a person. It's just going to be a different art of changing a tire. Uh, be, being the fastest is still going to matter the most, but will it match up with the fueling, right? You, I mean, uh, that is going to be awkward is you're going to have all that time to change the tires. I say all that time, a couple of seconds more in theory, but then your fueling is going to last longer. So it, it, that, that is a great point, Dan. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, we're going to have to see it what, happen well, in person. Will NASCAR do anything about the fueling? Because I've seen fueling over the years, and that's one thing that has not progressed it to me is one of the things that has not progressed on the same level everything else has yeah. and needs to be changed not only for the speed of this but for the safety of this as we've done all the other things and 
and you know you were talking about the the numbers of people in the stands and so forth and and going back to to talking about what we were and the getting into the different decades but also too this has been an anomaly of no practice no qualifying and the drivers like Ryan Newman who Kyle Bush the same way who complained about no practice and qualifying had affected them more than it did other drivers and and we really can't do a fair comparison because we've changed a number of things and without reflecting on all of these changes and how they did to different drivers you'll never know uh, hey, uh, hey um i don't know if we have the technology and i gotta jump out soon so i honestly don't this could be an ignorant question because i think about formula one who got rid of fueling during races is does the technology exist to uh to go 500 miles without refueling does that t- technology exist I, I would think only yeah. with an electric assist you know i, I think right i, I would I think only with some kind of uh, electric assist like where you use the inertia or the uh right. friction or something like that to build up like like they do in formula one cars dan do you, you have think, some perspective. do you think that we're, we're slowly by going to one lug nut do you think that we're slowly they're pushing a little bit to where maybe we can go in that direction in the future because uh, I thought it was totally um, weird in Formula One and now I don't think about it. They they never fuel the cars during a yeah, race. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I would think I think we're quickly going. Uh, we're we're I mean heading directly for a crash course with more electric component in the cars, so that could play right into that. Dan, your thoughts? My thoughts are is that um, yeah, if you had a bigger fuel cell, you could probably carry some more fuel and go further. The distance I don't think is possible with the engines that you have now. Yes, going hybrid might be able to do it, but uh, you'll have in electric races, you'll probably still have battery changes as they do. I always said that they needed to do the deal to where that if you could run 500 miles on a 100 gallons of fuel, then you need to do this where you give the teams 75 gallons of fuel and say the first one left running at 500 miles <laughs> wins. And, I love that. And, that would be and, something. And this, that, that would be something because it rewards the teams who are able to make the most out of the least, who can serve and, and get us into where environmentally we are in the fact of saving energy. We, we've never point. looked at it this way. We, we've, we've always looked at it as there's an unlimited amount of fuel. We, we, we run what we want to run and burn what we want to burn. Now we're limiting them to fuel and saying, you have this much fuel, you figure it out and run 500 miles. Well, we've There'll got a whole off a point, season to get more specific about the car. Go ahead, Eric. I just say there'll probably be a point, you know, with all the carbon stuff and everything that the NASCAR's not going to want to be leaving a lot of fuel on the ground during races. That's not going to be a good look right. at some point. So they, uh, they've so. already policed that very well. They've done very well policing that. And from my era of starting in racing, when you could drop a can of fuel and it all run out on the ground, and <laughs> now you don't have but a few drops of fuel that right. are spilled anywhere, it has changed drastically yeah. in my career right and so look that that's a situation i know we're jumping off here that situation they got rid of the catch can man it wasn't all that long ago you yeah. had a catch can yeah. man right that's and they right. changed to like the self-ventilating and uh, it wasn't long before that, that you didn't have a 
Yeah, yeah, and long it wasn't long before that you didn't even have a catch can, man. It just yeah, went it was, out on the ground. Just went That's out crazy. all over everywhere. That's yeah. crazy. All right, all right. So uh, let's let's go ahead and go around the round table here. One, just real quick, parting shots for everybody. And Devin, I hadn't let you jump in for a while here, so Devin, just a parting yeah. shot on Larson and the twenty one twenty one season, or anything else you want to end episode one fifty six with here, sir. I thought the twenty twenty one season was a really, really, really good season. I thought it was one of the better seasons in in recent years. Um, obviously, Kyle Larson dominated the races this year with pulling off with ten wins. I went to seven races this season and I got to see him win three times. So yes, that that was that was that was interesting to see. And and I, I liked a lot of the new things NASCAR was able to uh, pull off this year, like. The I went I attended Nashville I attended the race at Nashville the Ally 400 and I thought I thought they did a phenomenal job that weekend promoting that race in Nashville because you could tell NASCAR was in town there were banners up all over the city of Nashville the rate that during that race weekend that was a great race to go to the Ally 400 and I'm looking forward for the future of the sport and, and it seems like at Phoenix this year for the championship race they did a lot of they did a very good job of promoting it. So I'm looking forward to the future of NASCAR with this next gen car and just to wrap it up on the season I thought this was a great season with the fans coming back. It it it, it felt right this season compared yeah. to last season with the limited fans and everything. NAS a great point there Devin. NASCAR like almost every sport last year it felt like 2020 had an asterisk not because of the stats always but just because of the fans being there and in full force for the most part anyway especially the latter half of the year. All right Dan Elliott some uh, parting shots for you here. Uh, Devin couldn't be better said and I'll leave it at that. Couldn't been better said. I love it man. What a compliment yeah. there from the master maker of speed in Dawsonville <laughs> Mr. Dan Elliott. Eric Von Hessler. Uh, I thought NASCAR did a very good job. They they mixed things up for the first few years of this podcast. There was a lot of complaining, a lot of my part about uh, the sport was becoming stagnant and, and they weren't thinking out of the box. I think they did a good job. Not everything was a complete success. Um, I like their thinking. Uh, that being said, and we'll get into it on another podcast. I'm a little worried about this uh, this Los Angeles race. I'm not even. I didn't even know you could build a concrete track like that, a, a temporary one. Um, it's probably going to be interesting. Um, I'm a little worried about it becoming a debacle. But even if it does, I still will salute NASCAR for coming up with these new ideas. And I think the uh, the last couple of years, uh, I think we can say yes. The more road courses have been a good idea. And um, and I'd like to see go further, maybe even more in the future. But um, thumbs up to NASCAR. And I think Kyle Larson is a great champion. He's a deserving champion. So I think it's been a I think it's been a damn good year for NASCAR. I, I really think so too. And and I and I here's my cheers to 2022. All right, or going ahead to 2022. Let's hope to have less races where the officiating or just the weather or something is is the topic du jour. Let's just I'd love to get to talking about what's on the racetrack and the new car and, and the personalities of the drivers and their skill. Uh, I, I'll leave my last parting shots here to just these two news stories we didn't cover. Number one, a little behind-the-scenes thing, off-season news dump, Speedway Motorsports Incorporated that owns Atlanta Motor Speedway in Charlotte and Bristol and, and a, an array of others has bought Dover Motorsports, if you will, and they own Dover International Speedway. They also own Nashville Super Speedway. And considering SMI's dealings in Nashville with the fairgrounds, you got to wonder what, what could become of that. You never know. And uh, secondly uh, is that um, – and 
th- this is the big thing. God, was the second thing? Oh, yes, is the L.A. Coliseum race. It's no longer this invitation of only the good drivers or only the winners or only the playoff drivers. Literally, they're going to have 40 spots available, four heat races, four drivers from each heat race transferred to the main event. Then there are two last-chance qualifying races where six drivers from each of those go to the main event. And then the final space, spot number 23, is set for the person that finishes highest in the points. So it won't just be 10 or 12 or 15 next-gen race cars going out to L.A. It'll be a whole wad of them. And I have a feeling with considering that that's going to cause a lot of heartache there for the teams trying to run around the bull ring of the L.A. Coliseum. So part of several parting shots for me, and we'll get into that this offseason, what I really am uh, committing to all of you listening and to you guys that are on board with me here today, too. We're going to have some interviews on. We're going to have some uh, more deep dive and discussion with either stories in the offseason. And honestly, I'd like to go down the standings a little bit and talk about each driver and do the through the field that I wish the broadcast would do more often. Okay, so that's something we're going to look ahead to here. And this offseason is short. There'll be some next gen car testing that is going to perforate the offseason. And these teams are going to have big waves of layoffs probably as they retool and recalibrate for uh, different roles there next year and and who knows what's going to come and before you know it it'll be january and february and it'll be time to go racing again so thank you everybody for joining today eric it's been good to have you on after a couple of weeks of us being on different pages with the schedule and everything so you're very gracious to make this time sir uh dan elliott it's been great to have you on devin great to have you on all of you guys are wonderful, and I look forward to more in the offseason here. So for Eric Von Hessler, Dan Elliott, Devin Kupka, uh, for Bud Hughes, who's joined us as a co-host, to our friends at NASCAR who have hooked us up with a lot of different drivers through the year, uh, to the Performance Racing Network, Alexis Erickson especially, who gets our podcast published there, and to Drew Anderson, my boss at 95.5 WSB, who still lets us do this. We're going to have more in the offseason, but for now, it's time for traffic for me. I'm Doug Turnbull, and thank you all to listen for ep- episode 156 of the Five to Go Racing Podcast. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.